withdrawal. Nothing personal word of the day. It's the first day of June, 2021. I don't know how it got to be June so quickly. Withdrawal, as in Naomi Osaka, has withdrawn from the French Open, one of the major tennis tournaments. This is getting worldwide attention, the Naomi Osaka situation. We covered it yesterday, but there's much more to cover today because 24 hours has passed. And it's been a very telling 24 hours. It's been full of debate. I've had debates with Coca. I've had debates with friends, family, talking about this issue. So many layers that I wanna organize my thoughts in a way that will help frame the issue for you to think about what role you have in the Naomi Osaka situation. Even if you don't like tennis, even if you've never seen her play, even if you don't know that the French Open is going on right now, or you didn't know until all of this news about Naomi, and I'm gonna call her Naomi because that's her name. I referred to her as Osaka yesterday. Her name's Naomi. She withdrew for mental health reasons saying she didn't want to meet the media, didn't want to do the press conferences because she was more concerned with her mental health. And those press conferences did not help her because she suffers from anxiety. She has some social awkwardness. She has some depression. She feels as though that her tennis and her abilities cannot be maximized by meeting the media and answering these compulsory questions. I was critical of something yesterday that I will be critical of again today. So please think about all of the following three things while you are making a decision for yourself where you stand on this issue. Number one, it is clear that when you are a professional athlete, one of your jobs is to talk to the media for better or for worse after wins, after losses, after you make errors or after you hit a game-winning home run, after you win a tennis tournament or you lose in the first round, when you win a playoff series after you're down 3-1 or you lose a playoff series when you're down 3-1. One of your jobs off the field is to meet the media. Two, when you do something for which you get paid, you get a list of things that are your responsibility. You have to show up on time. You have to perform the following weekly tasks. Think about your job. You have to work from nine to five, you get one hour off for lunch. You get five sick days, two personal days, and two weeks vacation. When you start your job, you're aware of all these things and you decide for yourself, do you like those rules? Do you not like those rules? Do you wanna change those rules? How do you do that? Well, you can meet with your boss and say, you know, I'd really like an extra week's vacation. I don't really love working with Mr. X. I'd rather work with Ms. Y. I really don't appreciate when you ask me to get coffee, I'd much rather have you get me coffee. But your job, one of your jobs is to get me coffee. You don't have the extra week's vacation. I say no. And you get to say, well, I don't think that I want to work here any longer. And then you can change jobs. That's another possibility. 
The other thing I want you to think about is where we are as a society vis-a-vis social media, being in public, what your responsibilities are as a public figure, whether or not when you are on social media that you are drawing people into your personal life, into your professional life, giving them access to you that never was available before, where people think they know you even though they don't. But when you're walking down the street or going to a restaurant, of course, people are going to say, hi, may I get a photo? May I get a selfie? No photos, no selfies, no autographs. That's your right. It's not part of your job. On the other hand, why do people try to get followers? Why do people try to become active in social media? Influencers. Because they feel as though part of their job is to build their brand. Part of their brand is winning on the court. Part of their brand is being interesting off the court. I draw your attention to Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer is not making $40 million simply because he's a good pitcher. He's also making $40 million because of what he brings. And I don't agree that I would pay him a premium for this. I would pay him a discount for this, but for what he brings off the court. When you are an actor, you go on press junkets to promote your movie or your TV show. That's part of your job. The media used to be used as a conduit to get information out to the buying public about that which you are selling. It was a codependent relationship. The media needed to fill what was called column inches. Now it's called online clicks. Sometimes column inches, but not really. It doesn't really matter anymore. The printed paper. And they needed to fill their paper. You needed to get the word out to get attention in a crowded landscape of content or movies or sports or fighting for people's attention or clicks or downloads or minutes in a day. Because as you know, the one thing you cannot do is get more than 24 hours in a day. So it is no surprise to any athlete or to anyone in any job what your job is. Naomi said, I hear you, I get it, but this is no longer right for me. And that's her right. It is also the right of the boss to say that may not be right for you, but that is the rule and you've got to follow the rule because if you don't follow the rule, then we are not going to let you do your job anymore because you're not doing your job and you can't choose which parts of the job you want to do. Okay. But wait, it's mental health. Mental health is the new sword that is being used by people to explain why they can or cannot do certain things. Mental health has evolved. The conversation about mental health has evolved in a way that I have not seen in my life. When I first got into baseball, I was telling Coca this pre-show, I didn't care about anybody's mental health. Do your job. You're having a problem with your family, I don't care. You don't feel great today, I don't care. Do your job. Time passed and I realized that my job was to get the players in the position to do their job the best possible way they could because by winning, that would make me look like I'm doing my job better, which would make me make more money. 
So I realized that in order to put the players in the best position to succeed, we had to do certain things that I never would have thought of, whether it's buying certain machines, whether it's updating our weight room, whether it's hiring more coaches, whether it's taking care of them off the field. Putting that entire package together so someone can succeed became part of my job. What took me so long? What took me so long is that I discounted the distraction that off the field issues can have when it comes to on the field performance. What took me so long is I was unwilling to admit that the issues that I had as a business executive, whether it was anxiety, whether it was stomach aches, whether it was exhaustion, whatever the case was going on in my head, where I knew that there were some days that I was not on point, I knew there were some meetings that I would cancel or postpone because I didn't want to do them because I didn't feel right. That was my right to do as president of the company, but I didn't give that right to anybody else because I said, you are the worker, I am the president, you do your job no matter what. As I got older, as I got more mature, I realized that that wasn't the way to get the most out of my players or my employees. And that the issues that I had were no different than the issues that they had. And so then that filtered down eventually to realizing that we needed more people on staff to help the players off the field. We need to take a bigger responsibility for players' actions off the field. Getting involved in people off the field is something that never was done before. No one cares about your personal life when you're at work. Don't talk to me about your kids or kid coverage. Don't talk to me about the fact that your kid's in trouble or that you're having a fight with your spouse or your significant other. Don't bother me with that personal crap. But then I realized you have to be bothered with it. You have to find outlets for people during the course of the workday in order to deal with what they're going through off the field, to get them the proper professional help they need in order to do their jobs better. So the people who run the French Open said, I appreciate the fact that you are having anxiety and depression, that you're socially awkward and don't like meeting with the media, but that's part of your job. And if you don't do it, we're gonna fine you. And if that's not good enough, we're gonna kick you out of the tournament. The debate was fast and furious. The debate that started because of Naomi was are we asking too much of people who are in the limelight? Are we asking too much of people simply because they're rich and they make money and they've got sponsors and they win tournaments or they can hit a baseball or they can read lines off a page and act on the screen? Are we asking too much because we so badly live in a society of fishbowls where we want to know everything about somebody because the boundaries have disappeared and we feel that we have a right to know everything about someone's personal life, professional life. We have a right to glom onto anything someone else is doing with reckless indifference toward whether or not what they're doing is hurting them. It's like a train wreck. You can't take your eyes off it. You're just happy you're not in it. I was thinking about child stars, child actors, we don't really care. Britney Spears, hey, we love your music. We dance to your music. We wanna be you. We have sleepovers. We meaning if you're 14 year old girls, we have sleepovers. 
We want to dress like you and act like you. Oh, my God, you shaved your hair. Oh, my God, you've gone completely cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. The parents come in and say, I take your Britney Spears poster off the wall. The people who run Britney Spears careers say that's not good for business. We have to take over your business. We're going to tell you what to do. And by the way, we're going to get you help, but you better keep doing albums. You're going to be a young child star in a show. We are going to watch you. And then when you start doing drugs or when you start getting arrested or when you start going to prison or when you start going crazy and not acting anymore because you're not good, we say, ooh, that's too bad. We'll watch you on syndication. Forget the fact that you had to grow up and that you became not a productive member of society, but we're going to keep watching you because that's what we do. That makes us feel good. When we bring our kids to modeling auditions or we want our kids to become professional athletes or we want them to become actors, we want them to become young doctors or lawyers, are we taking care of them? Are we letting them be kids? Or are we shocked when adults who were kids stars start acting like kids because they never got to act like kids when they were kids, but we say, that's the cost of doing business. That used to be what we did. Now there's a lot more attention paid to what we can do to be protective of people while we are using them to satisfy our prurient and salacious needs. What do we think is going to happen when professional athletes can turn professional at 16 like Naomi Osaka did? What do we think is going to happen when a unbelievably talented boxer, well, what's his name, Coca? Ryan Garcia. You know that name? He's a kid. He turned pro, I think, when he was 17. He's now 22. He said, I can't box anymore. I'm done. I can't do it. I've got depression. I've got mental health issues. I'm done. We just move on to the next boxer, don't we? Move on to the next tennis player, next person up. I think it's changing. I tweeted yesterday that we're at an inflection point. The inflection point is about you. It's not about the athlete. It's about you. The inflection point comes when we say we are in agreement that people should not become professional athletes or professional actors or professional anything until they are old enough to handle the pressure that comes with it. Zero chance, ladies and gentlemen. There is zero chance that that's going to happen. The reason why young people want to become professionals is that their parents think that they will make money and they think that those kids will be the exception. They've been raised to be professional tennis players or athletes or actors. They've been raised to be models and we are good parents. We've got a good manager. We've got a good accountant. We've got a good lawyer. And what happens to everyone won't happen to us, but it always happens to them. 95% of the time, the following things happen. Yeah, I'll be in the 5%, we always say. The amount of self-delusion we all have is amazing. I think it helps us get through the day, doesn't it? Self-delusion is when you are pretty sure that you are on a path to a result because that is the same path that has been walked by many. And then you get to the result and you say, no, no, that's not me. 
I'm going to have the different results. I'm going to be on the same path, but I'm going to be on the healthy one. I'm going to be happy, healthy, and I'm going to be adjusted, and my child's going to be fine. 95% of the time, it doesn't happen. That's a little anecdotal. Say it's 90. Don't we all do that when we're rooting for our sports team? Don't we all do that when we're talking to our friends or doing our job, when we know that something happens? We know what the result's going to be, but we still do the same action. And then we expect a different result because we want the result that's going to benefit us. We want the result that's going to be the exception. When are you going to stop paying money to buy the products that Naomi Osaka represents? When are you going to stop watching concerts, buying concert tickets for young kids who end up not making it? There'll be another band and you're going to start again because you're going to say to yourself, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. When are you going to stop following 16-year-olds on Instagram, these Instagram influencers who have a million followers on TikTok and they're making videos and you have no idea how they're monetizing it and you're wondering to yourself, what are they doing? Do they go to school? Do they not go to school? Does it matter? No, I really love their videos. No, I really want to wear what she's wearing. I want the kind of makeup that she makes, the kind of perfume, the kind of clothes. I want to listen to the music that they are producing. I want to watch them play because I want them to help my team win. Am I blaming me as an executive? Am I blaming you as a fan? Am I blaming the parents? Am I blaming the entire system? Yes. Yes, I am. I'm blaming all of us because we're all cogs in the same machine that spits out people as though they don't matter because they don't. <laughs> I wonder what the future is going to be. Do you think people have to be older before they turn professional? Nope, it's not going to happen. People are actually suing to turn professional earlier, to get money earlier. <laughs> I had to wait to see just on May 28th that Naomi Osaka will meet the media during the French Open. I didn't get that one right. I didn't think she'd withdraw. She withdrew with a statement. It was a statement that was meant to elicit emotion, and it did. It was a statement that was written by publicists because her original attempt at helping herself by saying she wouldn't meet the media was misguided, and her representatives knew it. She apologized to any journalist she hurt because the journalists didn't want to be a part of the cog in the machine, but they are. She forced the head of Roland Garros to make a statement. Who did? Force Nike to make a statement. They did. Forced other players to speak to the media because she wouldn't like Serena Williams. She did. And you know what's interesting? They all said the same thing. It's not easy. We have to take into account that everybody's different. Serena Williams said, I have thick skin. Naomi has thin skin. She's got to do what's best for her. The head of the French Open said, we care about our players. No questions, please. But we care about our players. We can't wait for her to come back next year. Do you remember an old tennis star 
Coco just reminded me of this, and it's a great example of how long this has been going on. We're talking about 25 years ago, maybe more. 19, it was in the 90s. Uh, there was a tennis player named Jennifer Capriati. She was going to be the next new thing because there's always the next new young tennis player. She turned professional. She was her bat mitzvah age. She was 13 years old. Her career fizzled. She had mental health issues and back in 1994, didn't matter. We said, if you can't win matches, then we're not gonna put our logo on your tennis outfit. Didn't stop Richard Williams from making Venus and Serena from the beginning stars. It didn't stop Naomi's group of people, parents, whoever, letting her turn pro at 16. Doesn't stop professional athletes from fighting to turn pro at 19, 18, out of high school. The NBA has responded by doing that developmental league where we're going to pay the young people and we're going to take care of them mentally. We're going to try to prepare them for NBA life. NCAA is having all these fights in the Supreme Court about getting players money as early as possible. I'm frustrated this morning, Coke. I'm frustrated because we keep doing the same thing over and over again. We expect a different result and nothing ever changes. Nothing ever changes because we don't change. We don't care. It's not our problem. Entertain me. Make me forget about life for a while. We don't care when more musicians join the 27 Club. Do you know what that is? I was listening to Amy Winehouse the other day, feeling guilty. We don't care when Philip Seymour Hoffman or John Belushi or Chris Farley kill themselves. They're drug addicts. We don't care that Michael Jackson needs fentanyl to sleep and dies. We don't care. Is that going to change? Are you willing to do what it takes to change that? Are you willing to vote with your pocketbook and not participate in the machine that generates the amount of money that gets generated from you to these people? I don't think so. I'll tell you what is changing though. I covered it yesterday, but something happened again after the show. I thought that I was very clear in yesterday's show of nothing personal, what your job is as a fan when you attend a game. Watch the game, cheer, be loud, boo, be loud. There's certain things that you just can't do. It's an old story. It's a hundred years old, people running onto the court, Streakers, there used to be streakers. It actually used to be celebrated. Do you remember uh, Coca in baseball? There was this very voluptuous woman and her name was, oh my God, the kissing bandit is in my head, but I don't think that's right. She would go onto the baseball field and she would run up to players and kiss them and then run off the field. And she became famous for this. What was it, Coca? Oh my God, yes, you nailed it. Did you have to Google that or did you have that in your head? Morgana the Kissing Bandit. 
Coca, tell me right now, did you have that in your head? Have you ever heard of Morgana? Do you know what that is? My guess is that's the 70s and 80s. I don't remember when. I actually have no idea where Morgana is right now. He had to Google it. Fair enough. Welcome to Google. God, can you imagine without being able to GTS what would happen? And we never thought a thing about it. We cheered. And then it changed because the TV networks decided not to show it because they didn't want to promote people going on the field, give them their one minute of fame before they got arrested. Do you know Marlins Park has a holding cell? Every ballpark has a holding cell. Every arena has a holding cell where we take drunk people or people who are fighting or people who are uh, jumping on the court or doing something they shouldn't do. And we put them in the holding cell and then the police, we have police there and the police arrest them, take them away and they get released. Did you watch the Sixers Wizards game yesterday? Did you see someone access the court? Did you see what the security guard did to that person? An unbelievable tackle, might I add. Truly. Someone asked me a question about this, and I think I need to answer it. You know what I want? (laughs) I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. That's from a movie called Half-Baked. For all the new listeners to Nothing Personal, or if you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just hit subscribe. So you want to talk to Samson is a character. Samson's a character in Half-Baked. Great movie that you have to watch anywhere from one-eighth to seven-eighths baked. And four-eighths is sort of probably the happy spot for that. Or eight-sixteenths. Or thirty-two-sixty-fourths. Either way... You go into Twitter, David P. Sampson. My mentions are public and open. And you ask a question, and I try to answer it if it's something I want to talk about. And if I don't want to talk about it, I may answer it on Twitter back to you on a DM. Or if I lose track or I too many come in a day, I miss it. And for that, I'm sorry. What rule changes would you make to stop this fan behavior that we saw in tonight's game? Can you be specific? I like when people ask me questions like that. They want me to list the top 10 rule changes that I would make. Well, I don't have a top 10 list, but I've got what's become famous with the Levitard show every week. And I can't stand that they make me do it because they don't tell me in advance what it's going to be. Top five rules that I would change. Now, You know this show. Number one, we're not edited. Number two, we go 45 minutes every single day and Coca and I come up with a rundown the night before. We then sleep on it. We discuss it the next morning to see what's trending, what we want to talk about. And what I've got in front of me is a laptop and it just has a rundown. It doesn't specifically have what I am going to discuss and how I'm going to discuss it. But as the months in the episodes pass. Coca sort of knows what I'm doing. He had no idea I was going to come up with the top five, five list. I had no idea I was going to come up with the top five list. I knew I was going to answer this. So you want to talk to Samson? And guess what? The delay that I'm doing right now is coming up with the top five list, but I actually have it. I don't have it written down, but I have it in my head. Here we go. The top five rules I would change to stop this fan behavior. Number five. <laughs> Alcohol. We have a rule that certain people cannot be served. 
You can only buy one beer at a time, two beers at a time. You can only get one double at a time. All these arenas have this rule and it's all horse hockey. The rule is that we don't want people to get drunk. Wink, wink. We are desperate for you to get drunk. Why? Because alcohol is the highest profit margin item sold in the entire arena. It's not even close. When you buy a drink, we are making so much money and we want you to buy another drink and another drink. And we say no more after the seventh inning, whatever. If you're at a baseball game and you can't get a drink after the seventh inning, you're not trying. If you're at, a, at an arena and you're drunk and you wanna get extra service and you're denied service, you're not trying. We sit down with our concessionaires and with our concessionaire people and we say, hey, these are the rules, make sure we follow them. And then we wink. Number five, don't serve drunk people. And when someone is drunk, escort them out of the building because drunk people are stupid people doing stupid things that they otherwise wouldn't do without the liquid courage. Number four, there have to be barriers set up around the entire court. We make a lot of money by having people sit as close as possible. We make a lot of money by making sure that you're gonna pay a lot of money because you can see the players sweat. It's like when you're at a Broadway show and you see you're sitting in the first row, you see the actors spit. You can hear the chatter on the court. Love that. How many people rush the ice in hockey? Uh, none, because there's glass around it, supposedly to protect you from pucks going into the stands. There's got to be barriers around the entire court because we are not well-behaved enough. So we all get screwed because a few idiots exist. It's part of life. Number three, allow people who access the courts not just to be tackled, but to be pummeled by players, by security. This is gonna be controversial, Coca. When you put yourself in a position that you access an area where there is no trespassing, I believe that you have given up your right to safety. You can't get killed, but you can get the crap beaten out of you. I would allow my security guards to tackle someone who is trying to access the court and handcuff them to a point that their arm breaks. I don't care. I want it to be a deterrent. I want anyone who accesses the court to tell everyone they know and all people watching to see what happens. I want as a corollary, am I number four or number three? I want every network to show the exact person who has accessed the court and what happens to that person. I want a camera to follow them for the rest of the day as they get the crap beaten out of them, as they get handcuffed, as they go to the police station, as they get fingerprinted. I want to fast forward to when they have a record and then they've got to not lie on every form they fill out for the rest of their life because they've been convicted because I want to make it a felony. What number am I up to, Coca? This shows you that how we do nothing personal, by the way. I just don't even know. I'm not even sure Coca knows. That makes me even happier, by the way. That is me and Coca in a nutshell. I don't know what number we're on. Coca doesn't know what number we're on, and we move on.
I think we're going to start with number two. Number two. When you trespass onto the court or you throw something at a player, not only are you banned from that event, from that arena, you have lost the right to go to any sporting event ever again, ever. You want deterrent? Ever. And there's the technology that we can have this where every baseball team and every basketball team and every soccer team, everybody has a list of people who are permanently banned. And that's only number two. Let me tell you what number one is. The number one thing that needs to happen when you assault a player, when you throw popcorn on a player, when you spit on a player, when you do anything, trespass onto the court, automatic prison time. Automatic. I don't care if you're white, black, red, purple. I don't care if you've had 10 drinks, 20 drinks, zero drinks. I don't care if you've got a mental health issue. I'm going to be strict about this and I'm going to be controversial because I don't care what your reason is. You are going to jail. Not for a day, not for a night. Here's how it's going to work. 30 days. Guess what will happen if you, it's automatic that you go to prison for 30 days when you are on camera? Because believe me, you're on camera. It's not like there's a question as to who jumps on the court. You're right there. It's not like a question who spits on a player or throws popcorn on a player because we've got cameras on every single one of you every single minute of every single game. 30 days. Was it worth it? Thank you for the So You Want to Talk to Samson. When we come back, we're going to review Mayor of Easttown. Watch the last episode Sunday night of the miniseries with Kate Winslet and Guy Pierce. And then we're going to go through something that happened last night with my pick of the day. We will be right back. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name is David Sampson. Thank you for downloading, rating, reviewing. Yes, it's June 1st. Yes, we haven't dropped the end of month mailbag episode yet. Do you know why? Because we don't even talk to CBS anymore. They don't care what we do because they just want numbers. And we had a lot to talk about yesterday. I love the mailbag episodes. We're going to do it probably in the middle of the month. We've got, we're totally out of questions. We have so many 
but that's when you go onto Apple, you rate and review and ask a question within the review. You go to Spotify and follow. You just do everything you can to engage with us so we can keep going. One of the things we do is watch a movie every single day. Someone asked me, how is it that I uh, watch a movie every day? How do I stay focused? Someone DM me this the other day. And that's why I have a scale of glances, which Coca hates, by the way, the number of glances of the phone that I have during the course of a movie. The best movies are zero glances. The worst movies are infinite glances. I always get through the end of a movie or the end of a TV series or the end of a TV show because I am committed to reviewing it for you. And then Coca said, but we never know if you like the movie. If you say it's a one glance movie, like last yesterday's movie was called I Am All Girls. And I said it was a one glancer but I never told you whether I like the movie. If it's a one glancer, it means the movie's important to watch. It doesn't mean I liked it. It means it's important to watch. I Am All Girls is important to watch. Mayor of Easttown was a one hour series on HBO Max. I think it was seven episodes, but I could be wrong. Could have been eight, could have been six. I don't, I don't have any idea how many episodes it was. All I know is that it was every Sunday night and I am loving the way that content is being produced now by HBO, by CBS, by all these different networks. It's like long movies. So this was a seven hour movie that I got to watch an hour at a time. So every episode is a no glance. When it's an hour episode, it's a no glance episode. Mayor of Easttown is about, her name is Mayor. Easttown is a place in Pennsylvania. Do you know that Kate Winslet has a strong British accent, not a Philadelphia accent? Do you know the person who plays her daughter, Siobhan, is also British? Do you know that Guy Pierce is Australian, I think? Because I heard him talk in the making of. That's the guy from Memento. He's in this too. I am going to not ask you to give seven hours of your life to Mayor of Easttown because I did it for you. And the reason I'm not going to ask you to do it is that it was only okay. That's it. Each episode was a no-glancer because I was in. And once I'm in, I'm in. But in totality, the ending was satisfying. It was better than the ending of The Undoing, which was them making you think everyone did it, but it was the person you thought who did it, did it. This is another who did it. You sort of find out who did it. You want to know who did it. You think you know who did it. You don't know who did it, but then you sort of say, oh, that makes sense that he did it or she did it or they did it. I'm going to save you the trouble. Someone did it. Mayor of Easttown. Eh, just okay. Nothing personal pick of the day. Damn it. You know, I'm tired. If, if John, there's a guy we work with at CBS named John. John is a big Philadelphia fan. When we were in the studio pre-COVID, we would debate about Sixers and the process and trusting the process and Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. You trade Ben Simmons. Do not trade Ben Simmons. Do you want to get, um, what's his name, James Harden? Are we good with our big two? Are we going to get the number one seed? We got the number one seed. Are we going to be able to beat the Bucs? Maybe we'll beat the Bucs. I don't think we can beat the Bucs. What about the Nets? Oh, we got the Nets. We can't beat the Nets. It's our turn. We've been bad for so long, and now we're good. The Sixers were up 3-0 against the Wizards. It was a give-me game yesterday. A give-me game. Favored by eight over the Wizards, who I have not been a fan of the entire season. I'm not a fan of Russell Westbrook. I don't think he's a winning player. I think that he has a lot of triple doubles. That's sort of cool, but I don't think he's a winning player. The Sixers were playing in a way when you're up three, nothing that you've got to win game four, period, period. Not only did I lose the nothing personal pick of the day, so we're now 76 and 51. Not only 
did the Sixers not cover the eight-point spread? They lost the damn game by eight. My wait to see is still alive that they're going to lose in the first round, but they're not. But it's still alive. Philadelphia 76ers fans are despondent right now because your star player, Joel Embiid, got hurt. He's having an MRI. Is it his ankle? Is it his knee? Is it his oblique? Is he having issues? Without Joel Embiid, the Sixers are in trouble. They'll still beat the Wizards, but they're certainly not going to advance in the NBA playoffs. I hate losing, and I apologize for it. I'm coming back right now with a win. I'm switching to baseball for tonight because my guy is pitching. You know my guy, Tyler Glasnow of the Rays, and he's going against the Yankees. How are the Yankees doing out there, all you New Yorkers? And I know because I get like a list of where people are listening from. There are a lot of you Yankee fans and Met fans out there listening. I appreciate that. Are you thrilled that the Mets are in first place? Are you excited that Tyler, Tyler DeGrom, that's not his first name. Um, Jacob DeGrom. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That Jacob DeGrom has the lowest ERA of any pitcher at the end of May since 1969. I don't think that's the right year. I just like say 1969. I think that's the, when the Mets won the World Series, too, with Tom Seaver, wasn't it? Are you despondent that the Yankees have lost four in a row? They're in third place. They can't hit. Were you excited when the Yankees starting pitching was so good? They were breaking records when Stanton was playing out of his mind and now he's slumping again. He does that when he's hurt, when he comes off the DL, IL, he takes him a minute to get his swing back. And once he does, he'll carry the team again. Are you nervous that you got swept by the Tigers over the weekend where Aaron Boone said, I'm pissed off now. The Rays have won 15 out of 16 games. The Tampa Bay Rays, I double dare you listening to this show without GTSing. Do you know what that is? Of course you do. Without GTSing, right now, name four members of the Tampa Bay Rays. Right now. Can you do it? Even if you're a huge football, uh, baseball fan, a huge fantasy fan. Yeah, you could come up with Randy Rosarena, right? Probably. Tyler Glasnow, because I talk to him all, talk about him all the time. Anybody else? Do you know what the Rays do that our teams don't do that we all love? They don't lose. Tyler Glasnow, take him over Domingo Herman. Herman is the guy who I said is not going to uh, get 20 starts this year. Is he going to get 20 starts, Coca? He's been fine, but the Yankees aren't going to win. I don't think Aaron Boone's going to survive. I really don't. I mean, he's going to live. I don't think he's going to be the manager of the Yankees. I actually don't think Brian Cashman's going to be the gym. You know what? I already had a wait to see that Brian Cashman will be gone from the Yankees after 21. That was a long time ago as I was watching the Yankees and when there were rumors that he was going to join the Mets. Remember when Steve Cohen bought the Mets? And I said, the Yankees just, they've got a problem. They haven't won the World Series since 09. They haven't been to the World Series since 09. They spend all this money and it's always for naught. I picked them to go to the World Series this year. I'm not giving up on that pick yet, but man, they're struggling. If they don't make the playoffs, it's not even a wait to see officially right now. You know what? It is a wait to see. Can I double up a wait to see, Coca? If the Yankees don't make the playoffs, Aaron Boone and Brian Cashman will not be around. That's not even a fun wait to see. The other thing that I do here is because we go straight, which you know that's how the show goes, I make mistakes. And sometimes my mistakes are purposeful. So I'll say a name, and I'll get it wrong, or I'll say something that's going on, and I'll get it wrong trying to be funny or trying to make a, a, a reference to something else. I was talking about Cal Ripken 
and his game streak. And I said that when he broke the streak by Ty Cobb, Coco wasn't listening because he didn't correct me, but I can always count on you to correct me. And you did. And I wasn't trying to be funny. I completely got it wrong. Of course I know the Iron Man is Lou Gehrig. Lou Gehrig had the consecutive game streak that Cal Ripken broke. Thank you for correcting me. I'm okay with being corrected. It's normal. It's fine. I'm healthy. I'm happy. I'm operating on always seven-eighths of a cylinder. There's going to be mistakes. So I do appreciate that you corrected me. We have weights to seize that we do. I keep saying this every show, but I'm going to keep doing it because I watch a lot of sports media. I listen to a lot of the gas bags who are talking. And the one thing that bothers me that Coke and I promised we would never do. We are not going to be the people who have these takes just to have takes. There's a whole network devoted to that. We're not going to be these people who are yelling and screaming about things that they don't have passion about or care about, but they're doing it to get clicks or followers, which is why Coke is mad at me that we only have 22 and a half thousand followers on Twitter. We're supposed to have like 50,000 by now. We have takes that we believe in, that we are passionate about, and that's it. And a wait to see as part of our show, it's been there from the beginning because when we're right, we're right. When we're wrong, we're wrong. But what no one else does is revisit it, but we do. Do you remember when Cameron Mabin was signed by the Mets and everyone was all excited? They got him from the Cubs. He's coming to the Mets. He's going to play. And I said, yeah, guess what? Cameron Mabin is going to be designated for assignment so fast your head's going to spin. But I sort of cheated by saying it's going to be by June 30th, but I knew it would be sooner than that. So that was a guaranteed wait to see that I'd get to revisit. Cameron Mabin was designated for assignment by the Mets because he now has the record. He has the biggest offer to start a career with the Mets. They got Pete Alonso back, I think. They got a, They made a bunch of roster moves yesterday. Guess what? On May 19th, we said the Mets will designate Cameron Mabin for assignment prior to June 30th. We're revisiting it, and we got it right. Today's wait to see has now been made official by Coca. If the Yankees don't make the playoffs, Cashman and Boone won't be around. That's the wait to see for June 1st. I appreciate that you took the time to listen to this show today. And I hope that you really take the time to look at yourself in the mirror and decide what role you're going to play going forward. As we look at sports and politics and life as we know it changing by the minute. It's just business, folks. This is nothing personal. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. 
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.